That was the opening music from 20th Century Fox's Frankenstein, released in 1974. And you're listening to Episode 5 of Classic Movie Reviews at ClassicMovieReviews.net. I'm Matt Johnson. And Bob Johnson. And Bob and I both love this movie, and it's a long one. Uh, I think it's an hour and 45 minutes long or something like that. Uh, So rather than go through it scene by scene like we did with Double Indemnity, I think what we're going to do today is just talk about our favorite scenes and why we think this is a classic movie. So why don't we just jump right in? Any opening comments? Well, just one quick one. that I uh, This is my favorite Mel Brooks movie, but followed closely by The Producers and Blazing Saddles. He's, he's just, to me, he's a genius when it comes to comedy. I saw this movie for the first time at a drive-in theater. You took us to a drive-in movie, and we watched it. And even at that age, I think I must have been seven or eight, uh, I thought it was funny. But uh, watching it again, there's definitely different levels of comedy going on. There's the just the slapstick, and then there's a lot of innuendo, and a lot of in-jokes that you wouldn't, you wouldn't get unless you'd watch some of the old universal horror movies. That's so true, especially with Igor, or is it Igor? <laughs> Igor. <laughs> and the funny thing, I wanted to mention this too, uh, before we get started, is that I watched it with my 12-year-old daughter. And at first, I think she was just uh, humoring me. But as we watched it, she started to laugh, and she got into it. And uh, re- I was going to ask you if you remember when we saw Toy Story in the theater? Oh, do I ever? I, I laughed so hard, I thought I was going to loosen the uh, theater seat. Yeah, exactly. That's That's what I thought of, because I was laughing so hard at some parts of this movie that she gave me this look like, are you crazy? She she didn't get all the humor that I got, but she kind of looked at me like, what are you laughing at so much? But it reminded me of that that time when we watched Toy Story, and you just about fell out of your seat laughing. You may get more of it as she gets older. Well, what's Some cool... What's, meetings. Yeah, what's cool is I think she'd be, she would watch it again in the future, I think. Uh, she was actually... We had to watch it over two nights. Uh, and she the second night, she's like, are we going to finish Young Frankenstein tonight? So that was cool. <laughs> so many times today, everybody's used to taking or seeing movies in Technicolor. So it's kind of fun to watch an old black and white like this. But unusual, I think, for a younger person. Yeah, uh, I mean, at the time, it was unusual to be filmed in black and white. I think I, I read on IMDb that uh, it was going to be produced by a different company, right? It was Columbia... Pictures? Yeah, Columbia was going to produce it, but they couldn't reach a deal, so they went to 20th Century Fox. Yeah, one of the sticking points on that deal was that uh, Mel Brooks wanted to film it in black and white, and Columbia Pictures didn't want to do that. So he ended up going with 20th Century Fox. It's so much better in black and white. I can't even imagine this in color. It wouldn't be nearly the same. Not at all, no. Which gives me a chance to go with my first favorite, which is the opening. The credits, the music, it reminded me of the 1930s and 1940s universal horror movies. Frankenstein, Dracula, Bride of Frankenstein, and on and on. I love the opening. That's a favorite of mine. Yeah, that wasn't on my list, but the scene after the first opening scene where they're in the classroom. Right. 
And that's my first uh, favorite scene. The whole scene is, is great, but the best part is when Gene Wilder's character, uh, Dr. Frankenstein... Start, or Frankenstein, yeah. Frankenstein, or uh, when he loses it and starts yelling and then ends up jamming the scalpel into his leg. That was so funny. Uh, Dr. Frank... Frankenstein. Yes? Isn't it true that Darwin preserved a piece of vermicelli in a glass case until by some extraordinary means it actually began to move with a voluntary motion? Are you speaking of the worm or the spaghetti? Why, the worm, sir. Yes, it seems to me I did read something of that incident when I was a student. But you have to remember that a worm, with very few exceptions, is not a human being. <laughs> but wasn't that the whole basis of your grandfather's work, sir? The reanimation of dead tissue? My grandfather was a very sick man. But as a Frankenstein... Aren't you the least bit curious about it? Doesn't the bringing back to life what was once dead hold any intrigue for you? You are talking about the nonsensical ravings of a lunatic mind. Dead is dead. But look at what has been done with hearts and kidneys. Hearts and kidneys are tinker toys. I'm talking about the central nervous system. But, sir... I am a scientist, not a philosopher. You have more chance of reanimating this scalpel than you have of mending a broken nervous system. But what about your grandfather's work, sir? My grandfather's work was doo-doo. I am not interested in death. The only thing that concerns me is the preservation of life. Class is dismissed. And he plays That's it off that... like it's no big deal. <laughs> that was my second one because he's ranting about his family. And a part of that same scene that I liked as a number two was when he slips that gentleman a little bit of money for being like the guinea pig for his experiment. In conclusion, it should be noted, give him an extra dollar. An extra dollar, yes, sir. Uh, what a guy man i i wrote down about five more scenes after that and i started getting into this mode of like every scene oh this is my favorite this is my favorite but i, I did the same thing what's what was your what was your next favorite scene well my third one was when he meets igor or igor dr frankenstein <laughs> Frankenstein. You're putting me on. No, it's pronounced Frankenstein. Do you also say Froderick? No, Frederick. Well, why isn't it Froderick Frankenstein? It isn't, it's Frederick Frankenstein. I see. You must be Igor. No, it's pronounced Igor. And then he picks up the smallest bag and carries it. All that just... <laughs> I just kept laughing at that. It's so funny, and some of that they um, uh, they just improvised right on right on the uh, moment, right in the moment. Yeah, the uh, the whole the whole the whole uh, hump moving from one side to another was totally improvised, and it took him a few days for them to realize that he was doing that, and then they wrote it into the script. But that was his that was his idea. That was awesome. 
That was my, that actually was my next favorite one too. And the other thing I wanted to mention about that, apparently that that line where he says "Walk this way" inspired the, uh, Aerosmith to write the song "Walk This Way." Oh, you know, I I saw that when I was doing some research. That they 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 got they had a, a moment where they couldn't keep writing, so they went to see the movie. Yeah, and, and then came back came back that. and wrote that song. So. <laughs> What was your next favorite scene? Well, because I had to stop picking out every single one, I, I jumped ahead to about 35 minutes into the movie, and it was the grave robbery scene where they oh, yes. are getting the body back to the castle, and I just love the mood and the kooky dialogue in that scene. What a filthy job. Could be worse. How? Could be raining. And then he gets to use the monster's hand as his own hand when he's talking to the constable. That was <laughs> hilarious. Need a hand? Uh, no thanks. Have one. Thanks very much, all the same. Just a moment, sir. I know everyone in this neighborhood, but I've never seen your face before. Can you account for yourself? Yes, I am Dr. Frederick Frankenstein, newly arrived from America. Oh, yes, sir. I was told you were here. Well, I'm Constable Henry, sir. Pleased to meet you. How very nice to meet you, Constable. Why, you're chilled to the bone, sir. <laughs> a nice warm fire would be the thing for you. Yes, And yes. a little nip from the old bottle wouldn't be too bad either, would it, sir? <laughs> Let's check it. Yes. Well, if you have everything in hand, sir, I'll say good night. Thank you very much, Constable. At your service, sir. Always. Good night, Constable. Good night, sir. Oh, it, it, you're you're right though. Every every uh, every new scene is could have been a favorite. I had three that came before that. And wow. These are, okay. These are really slapsticky. One is Terry Gar, and she's in the uh, buggy or or hay rack, and she's rolling around. She's would you like a roll in the hay? <laughs> yeah. What was that? Oh, that'll be Inga. Herr Falkstein thought you might need a laboratory assistant temporarily. Oh. Oof. Hello. Would you like to have a roll in the hay? It's fun. Roll, roll, roll in the hay. And then uh, Gene Wilder's character knocks on the door of the castle. Doctor. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> yeah. I, I loved Cloris Leachman as Frau Blucher. Every time they said her name, the horses freaked out. I am Frau Blucher. <laughs> 
Freddy! Uh, how do you do? I am Dr. Frankenstein. This is my assistant, Inga. May I present Frau Blucher? I wonder what's got into them. So those, th those just came like bang, bang, bang to me, and they've always stuck in my mind. I just, every time I think of those, I laugh. I, well, I noticed every time they introduced a new character, there was some hilarious scene that could be one of my favorites. So when they when we first meet uh, Frankenstein, and then when we meet Igor, and then when we meet Inga, and then we meet uh, well, and also when we met Elizabeth earlier when they, he was leaving uh, at the train oh, station. Oh yes, yes, don't don't mess me, don't. Oh yeah, yeah, he couldn't even touch her. They they touched elbows. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was the police commissioner who had that. He lit a cigar with about 27 moves on his wooden arm. <laughs> yeah, that was so weird. <laughs> Strange. Uh, uh, so, did you have... My next one comes uh, about 43 minutes in. He gives a speech about how he's going to bring the monster back to life, and I loved it. He was being he was riding up on that contraption to the, the roof of the castle. From that fateful day when stinking bits of slime first crawled from the sea and shouted to the cold stars, I am man. Our greatest dread has always been the knowledge of our own mortality. But tonight, we shall hurl the gauntlet of science into the frightful face of death itself. Tonight, we shall ascend into the heavens. We shall mock the earthquake. We shall command the thunders and penetrate into the very womb of impervious nature herself. He's quite the eloquent scientist, I thought, and his goggles that he's wearing. And his hair. And everything about that scene. And then they get up to the top and the electricity is flowing and then he yells down to Igor. When I give the word, throw the first switch. You've got it, master. Get ready. Get set. Go! Oh, the second switch! Throw the third switch! Not the third switch! Throw it, I say! Throw it! And then the, the head of the monster starts glowing. And I read that they had a perfect uh, duplicate of Peter Boyle's head made out of wax so that they could put a light bulb on the inside of it and make it glow. 
Well, that's how they did that. That that stands out of my mind. It it looks so real. Man. Um, I read where the equipment for that scene, all the old elaborate, elaborate laboratory equipment, they got permission from the original designer and uh, user of that from the uh, 1930s Frankenstein movie. <clears throat> they got approval to use the same equipment. So it was they refurbished it and then they used it in that that whole scene in the lab. Well, and that guy that had the equipment, it was just sitting in his garage. Oh, is that where? Oh, man. Yeah, and uh, and uh, Mel Brooks said, you know, as part of the deal, that I'll, I'll make sure to give you credit for all this uh, the set design that you did that you never got in the original movie. So it was he was prominently uh, listed at the at the opening credits at the bottom of one of the plates. Oh, I missed that part. Before before he rides that contraption up to uh, the top of the the tower another favorite scene of mine came when frankenstein and uh, terry gar are trying to get through that rotating bookcase (laughs) hand me that candle will you put the candle back Listen to me very carefully. Don't put the candle back. With all of your might, shove against the other side of the bookcase. Is that perfectly clear? I think so. I think I must be a fan of slapstick. No, that made me laugh, and uh, my daughter laughed at that, too. I mean, that, see, that was the thing. There, were, I listed that one, too, but I had to really pick out the highlights uh, to try to whittle this list down. So the next one was when he realizes that his creation lives and they're having dinner and he's just depressed and moaning and moping and they hear something from the basement and they run downstairs and the, the monster's alive. What is this? Schwarzwald or Kirschtort? Mm. Oh, do you like it? I'm not partial to desserts myself, but this is excellent. Who are you talking to? To you. You just made a yummy sound, so I thought you liked the dessert. I didn't make a yummy sound. I just asked you what it is. But you did. I just heard it. It wasn't me. It wasn't me? Well, now, look here. If it wasn't you, when it wasn't you... great because anytime gene wilder goes into one of his modes where he's yelling and his hair's like crazy it was one of my favorite scenes he has the best hair in that movie and it's all his own yeah (laughs) 
And I said to my daughter, I said, you remember him from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory? And she goes, oh, that's where he looks familiar from. Because we watched that movie a couple times. He's such a he's such a great talent. He doesn't. I don't think he's doing any theater or movies or television nowadays. I don't know that, but I haven't seen him for some some time. What was your next one? I, did you have any before that part? Well, I, let's see. I I think the sequence for this is a little bit later than when the monster lives and Gene Wilder's going going to go into the room with the monster and work with him so that he can become more human, and he says, I'm going in there. Bring me that candle. No! no. Yes! Love is the only thing that can save this poor creature, and I am going to convince him that he is loved, even at the cost of my own life. No matter what you hear in there, no matter how cruelly I beg you, no matter how terribly I may scream, do not open this door or you will undo everything I've worked for. Do you understand? Do not open this door. Yes, Doctor. Nice working with you. Oh, you jumped! You jumped uh, uh, like a ways ahead because you also—that's go ahead. Oh, okay. you, you missed the part with the little girl, and the little girl says, "Oh dear, nothing left. What shall we throw in now?" The monster gives the camera a knowing look because oh, that's right. in the original, uh, you know, obviously the monster killed the little girl, and I couldn't remember if he did that in this movie, but of course he didn't, which was good. But that look at the at the camera just is hilarious. I'd forgotten that. Yeah, I did get ahead of that with my next one. And they and they they look at the camera quite a few times in this movie, which is unusual. You don't see that very often, but it it works. There's so many things in this movie that shouldn't work, but but do. In my mind, they all do. There isn't one of them that seems false to me. You know, part of that might be I, I read that they the first cut of the movie was twice as long, so it was almost three hours long. And they watched it, and there were so many uh, jokes that fell flat that they went back into the editing room and cut it down to the length that it is now. And they just kept the jokes that worked. So, you know, that's, I guess, the old saying that you just got to keep working at it till you get it perfect. I think that's what they did with the editing. Uh, and you, uh, you also got ahead of the part with the blind man, played by Gene Hackman. That was another one of my favorite scenes. A visitor is all I ask. A temporary companion to help me pass a few short hours in my lonely life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Well, that is my favorite scene. Could anything more go wrong in that cabin when Gene Hackman is trying to be nice and befriend uh, the monster? Holy smokes. Everything goes wrong. And yet the monster seems so, like, forgiving until he lights his finger on fire at the end. But up until that point. <laughs> and why, uh, Hackman comes out with that perplexed look like, what, what did I do? What's wrong? And then he says my favorite line in the whole movie, which is the, which is the line about...
Wait! Where are you going? I was going to make espresso. I think that's my favorite. I still use that line. I'll just throw that line around and people look at me like they have no idea what I'm talking about. So, uh, But that happens to me. So, I was so impressed with Hackman's role in that. He just, he deadpanned the whole thing. But he had to be cracking up when they quit filming. I mean, it's so, <laughs> so unusual for him to play that role. And he's not even credited in, in the movie. Yeah, he's not even credited, and it doesn't look like him. He did. They did a great job on the makeup for him. Man. Uh, yeah, he was great. Uh, so you, you got to the part where he goes into the room. Right. I, I got out of sequence there for a moment. Yeah, that's about an hour and 15 minutes into it, and uh, that is a great line because he says, Once and for all, and without any shame... That we love him. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to show you how to walk, how to speak, how to move, how to think. Together, you and I are going to make the greatest single contribution to science since the creation of fire. Dr. Frankenstein, are you all right? My name is Frankenstein. Takes ownership of his family's name at that point because he he realizes that he the only way to turn the whole situation around with the monster is to tell the monster that he loves him and that he's going to help him. That that's a favorite of mine. So we had we had so far we we've, we've had quite a few that are the same, but several that aren't. So between the two of us, we'd probably come up with eighteen favorite scenes, and we could probably come up with eighteen more. Yeah, I only have three left. So, and I'm down to my last one. So I'll let you go. I'll let you go ahead of me here. Well, the dance scene, which is another one, which just is so weird and out of place, and shouldn't work. I, I would think on paper, but it does. It somehow does work perfectly in the movie. And I loved it how they carried the monster off like he was in a mosh pit at the at the end of that scene to lock him up. That was that was my uh tenth tenth most favorite, that dance, the putting on the Ritz. Ladies and gentlemen, Mesdames et Messieurs, Damen und Herren, from what was once an inarticulate mass of lifeless tissues. May I now present a cultured, sophisticated man about town. Hit it! If you're blue and you don't know where to go to, why don't you go where fashion sits? That was just so funny. And my daughter asked me, well, what's the monster saying? And I said, putting on the Ritz. And then we were like singing later that night together. That that song got stuck in my head after watching it the second time. I hadn't thought of the, the carrying the monster off as a mosh, but it's true. That was ahead of its time, wasn't it? It was. Or? It was. And uh, the other thing about that scene that I read was that they didn't know what the monster should say. Uh, and Peter Boyle just ad-libbed that putting on the Ritz kind of cry that he does. Uh, 
So there, there's some of the best parts of the movie, I think, were just ad-libbed on the, on the set by the actors. I, I have to believe that the, the actors and the people involved in that movie must have had just a fantastically fun time making that because it's, it, just, it comes across on the screen that they're really enjoying what they're doing. Although the, the the dance scene was really controversial between Mel Brooks and Gene Wilder, and I guess they had a big blow-up about it uh, at Gene Wilder's apartment. Yeah, Mel Brooks just stormed out of the apartment, and then a couple minutes later called Gene Wilder on the phone and said, Who was that crazy man in your apartment? Don't let him back in again. I didn't know that. And that was his way of apologizing to Gene Wilder. So I, I think they had some creative tensions as well on the set. It sort of reminds us, uh, or reminds me of last week when we discussed the creative tension between Billy Wilder and Raymond Chandler. I think anytime they're making this, there must be a lot of tension going on. Well, you've got two people that are basically genius-level creative talents, and you know they both probably have their ideas and their vision for what the movie's going to be, and they've got to figure it out together somehow. So, yeah, there, there's got to be quite a few times when they butted heads about it. But the end result was just a brilliant piece of film. Uh, And then I had two more favorite scenes. Uh, One was the scene where they're transferring the cerebral fluids from the doctor to the monster. Have all the preparations been made for the transference? Yes, doctor. Are you sure you want to go through with this? It's the only thing that can save him now. You realize you're risking both your lives. Yes. And Igor, right. and Igor is going crazy with the machinery in the background. It's, he's like doing this dance uh, between all the machinery, and it's just, it's just crazy. It's wild, and I love that part because it was so uh, energetic. And then the very last scene in the movie uh, where. The monster's reading the Wall Street Journal, and it's revealed at the end what the doctor got from the monster. We know that the monster got the doctor's brains and, and social skills, but the, the doctor got something as well. And then we see Elizabeth's hair, and it's exactly like the hair from the Bride of Frankenstein movie. I thought that was just a great way to close out the whole thing. Every time I see that, I think of the the hair at the end because it looks just like the Bride of Frankenstein movie. And Marty Feldman, I I mean, when he, I'm I'm going back about uh, two thirds into the movie where he brings the brain back. Igor, <clears throat> may I speak to you for a moment? Of course. Sit down, won't you? Thank you. No, no, up here. Oh. Thank you. Now, that brain that you gave me, was it Hans Delbrooks? No. Ah, good. Uh, Would you mind telling me whose brain I did put in? And you won't be angry. I will not. Be angry. Abby someone. Abby someone. Abby who? Abby normal. Abby normal. 
I'm almost sure that was the name. <laughs> Are you saying that I put an abnormal brain into a seven and a half foot long, 54 inch wide gorilla? <laughs> I mean, if we did this tomorrow, we'd come up with 20 more favorites, I'm sure. Pretty much every scene, except for one that I wanted to bring up. Uh, every scene, except for this one, I think, is just spot on. And the the one scene that is a bit odd, and I don't think plays as well today as maybe it did back when it was released, but it's some people on the forums called it the rape scene, where the monster kidnaps Elizabeth and takes her to a cave. And she's like, no, no, what are you going to do with me? And he's grunting and starts taking off his jacket and his clothes and and at the end of it you kind of get the idea that maybe she likes it but uh, I think that scene was a bit controversial uh, or is a bit controversial now uh, did you did you happen to notice that at all or when I saw the movie in 1974 I did not notice that I mean I didn't think about that but given today 40 years later yes I think that if they were making that movie today, I think that scene would be different. I do too. They'd either cut it out completely or they would just change it up so that it was less of a kind of a kidnapping scenario going on there. Everything else in the movie, I don't think they missed a beat. It was such a great movie. I laughed pretty much constantly throughout the whole thing. At the end of the movie, uh, did your daughter really enjoy the, the finish? Yeah, right. she she did. She laughed I about him. She laughed about the monster being in bed reading the newspaper, and you know, I, I think she got the the whole the whole thing. I mean, it, it it's it's a funny movie, and I think she got several levels of the comedy. And I think if she watches it again in the future, she'll pick up on even more. I read in doing a little background for it that there's some discussion, or there was some discussion of making a another young Frankenstein movie, but I, I haven't read anything more recently about that. So I don't know if the idea fell through or somebody said, well, we can't fund that because the first one is so good. Why would we want to, it'd be like trying to redo double indemnity. Yeah. I don't know. My last comment that wasn't related to my favorite scenes was that I don't think a movie like this would ever be made again, but that it, but that it inspired many movies that followed. Like Airplane, for instance. You're right. There were several. And some of those Police Academy movies that are just oddball, especially the first and second versions. The thing about the movie, though, that's so... What makes it a classic movie to me, because it's it's newer, it's not from the 30s or 40s or the 20s, but what makes it a classic is that it, I think it'll live on and as, a, as a favorite film for, for years and years and for decades to come. I think it will always be seen as a breaking new ground in, in how they can spoof movies and how they can take things from other genres and mix them together into something new. And I think they did such a great job of taking the, the best aspects of the universal monster horror movies and mel brooks and gene wilder's comic talents and putting it into something that takes itself seriously enough that there are a couple scenes that almost are kind of scary but then there are some some great scenes that are just 
absolutely hilarious, and it all works together. I would agree. What 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 kind of a rating would you give it? Oh, it's that's easy. A ten for sure. Absolutely a ten. Yeah, I I, I did too. I I would I would give it a ten. A favorite for sure. All right. Well, that's our overview. Our review of Young Frankenstein. And next week, or I guess I should say two weeks from now, Bob and I will be reviewing Creature from the Black Lagoon. And we're going to be reviewing the special Blu-ray release that came out at the end of last year. And the reason that we picked that one is that it, it has a 3D version where, where they've taken the original 3D movie that you had to watch with the red and blue glasses and converted it to blu-ray 3d and i've watched it already and i have to tell you it's spectacular in 3d bob unfortunately doesn't have a 3d tv but he can enjoy the the pristine video quality that they've been able to achieve on the the new blu-ray release so that's coming up in two weeks anything any closing remarks for you well i would just interject that i did see the original with those funny paper glasses in the theater back in montana when I was just a kid and it was great because I didn't, you know, I didn't know uh, such a thing could exist. I think it was the first 3d movie that I saw. Yeah. Whatever they've done to make it work with the latest technology has made the 3d even better because remember when you took us to see uh, this movie and it came from outer space in Chicago when they were having a film festival and we watched it in 3d then well, I remember that like it was yesterday. Yeah, we took the L and we were way up north somewhere. Yeah, so I, I, I do vaguely remember seeing it with the red and blue glasses, but it's nothing compared to what they've done with this Blu-ray. So kind of uh, staying with the theme of Universal Monster Movies a bit, uh, coming off of Young Frankenstein, that's going to be in two weeks. So thanks for listening, and you can find us on iTunes by searching for Classic Movie Reviews or at ClassicMovieReviews.net. This is Matt. This is Bob. Until next time, happy movie watching. You know, it's a puzzlement. There's something I've always wanted to ask you about that operation. You know, in the transference part, the monster got part of your wonderful brain. But what did you ever get from him? <laughs> <laughs>